And I want you to think about this. Do you really believe that God is more than enough for you? Or do you find yourself wanting more of what this world has to offer at times? I wish I had a little bit more of that. I wish I could be like that person. I wish I could, if I just had that car, if I just had that home, if I just had more in my bank account. Or do you believe that God will really see you through no matter what comes your way? And then the last question I want to ask you is, do you believe that he will provide for you every step of the way? Or do you feel your heart filled with anxiety and stress and animosity? Now, the word believe in the Greek means to live by. Everyone say to live by. To live by. Now, most people believe that there is a God. Most people believe that God will do what he says he can do for you. But for example, what would you do if God asked you to give up something that you love the most? What do you love the most right now? What, what, what is the dearest desire of your heart right now? What if God asked you to give that up? What would you do? What if he asked you to give some of your finances or maybe even more of your finances to advance God's kingdom through the local church or through missions or through a nonprofit endeavor or something like that? What if he asked you to give up your social media, your social media accounts? <gasps> Not my space. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, some of you don't even know what that is, but it's all right. What if he asked you to give up your favorite app or, or, or a TV app or something like that? What if he asked you to give someone your car? What if God asked you to give up your truck to someone or buy someone a car or truck? Or what if he asked you for one of your material possessions like your cell phone, your computer, your home, or your gadgets? So what if he asked you to give up your career? And he said, I want you to go from this career to this career. Or maybe exchange some relationships. Maybe you have some relationships that are healthy and not, and not healthy. And maybe God challenges you that he wants you to give up those unhealthy relationships that you so love and that you so admire and something like that. Maybe what if he asked you to do one of those things that I asked you this week? What if he asked you to do one of those things this month or even this year? What would you say or what would you do? What would I say? What would I do? Do we really live by? Do we really live by the word believe? meaning the word believe. Do we really live by that he will provide for us as we go through a test or we're willing to sacrifice something for him? Now, in Genesis 22, 1 through 18, that's going to be our text this morning. And so if you have your Bible, you can open up there, or your app or whatever it may be. But in Genesis 22, 1 through 18, we see God ask something from Abraham that in the natural makes no sense at all for a God who's love. It almost seems by barbaric, like one of those horrible abortion laws that was passed in places like New York or Virginia and others that are trying to pass these uh, abortion laws here in California and in Michigan. What was the request that God asked of Abraham, you might be asking? Maybe you know, maybe you don't know. But basically, God asked him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Could you imagine that, Danny? God asking you to sacrifice River? I don't think so. I mean, I have a firstborn daughter, and I've taken her hiking, but I've, I, I couldn't sacrifice her. There's no way. But God says, I want you to sacrifice your son Isaac. Now, since God clearly forbids such a practice, why would he make such a request? After all, if God was so upset with Cain killing Abel, why would God want Abraham to sacrifice and to kill his only son? Well, we're going to unpack that question today. Now, it says in Genesis 22, 1 through 2, it says this, sometime later, God tested, everyone say tested. God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God, God called, yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Man, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. What would you do? 
how would you react? How would you respond? There was a reason God made such a request of Abraham, and that was to test his faith. To test his faith. God noticed Abraham's faith back in Genesis 12. You can read about it. And and there's going to come times in our lives where all of our faith is going to be tested. Some of you, your faith is being tested right now. Some of you, your faith is going to be tested a couple of months from now, a year from now, or maybe it was a year ago or something like that. But all of us are going to go through a time where our faith is going to be tested sometime or another. And for Abraham, his time was now in Genesis 22. You see, what God did for you last month, what God did for you last year, what God did for me five or 10 years ago will not sustain you or me, but will sustain or, or sustain us. But what will sustain us is having a faith that is alive, having a faith that is active in the days that we're living in today that will guide us and help us to stay focused and strong in the Lord. Because let me tell you something, friends, inflation is hitting us right now. The R word is being talked about right now. And when recession hits or an economic collapse hits you or you're diagnosed with cancer or you lost your job or your bills are higher than your income, you're going to go through a test. But if you want to write this down, I want to encourage you as we go through this journey, this is the reason why we go through a test. A test, the purpose of testing is to strengthen our character and our commitment to God. When you go through, when I go through seasons of testing, it is to strengthen our character and our commitment to God. But have you ever noticed that some people, when they go through a test, their, their character isn't strengthened? They do things that, and say things that they probably would have never done before, but unfortunately do. They waver in their faith. They walk away from God. They leave the church. They, they do all sorts of crazy things that happens in our lives. Now, I remember 11 years ago, I got ordained with the Assemblies of God, and I had been licensed for a long time. And, but I decided, you know what, I want to get ordained. Do you know what I had to do? I had to go through three interviews with my wife to be ordained. Then I had to go to the network office from Lancaster, California, and I had to go there for six hours of training courses and, and so forth, and, and then I had to take a test. And I, and I went through the application process and the interview process smoothly. I went through the classes smoothly, but I studied so hard for this test because I knew that if I didn't pass this test, I wouldn't get my ordination. Everything else was good to go. Everything else was checked off. And I studied so hard for that test, and I took that test, and I made it 87, and I, and I got, you know, the seal of approval to get my ordination and so forth. And it was one of those things that was the most incredible thing in my life. But I tell you, friends, I knew the material. I knew the material. I didn't get 100%, but I knew the material that I was confident enough that I was going to pass that test. And when I got the report back, I was like, cool, I got a B plus or whatever it may have been. But I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you know the material in this book? Do you know the material in this book? Because you and I are going to face a test. And if you know the material in this book, like I knew the material that I had studied for, and I had a confidence when I took that test, when you understand the material in this book, it will sustain you. It will rescue you. It will build you up. It will assist you. It will equip you. It will edify you. It will restore you, and it will guide you in all your ways. The Bible says that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of God stands forever. Can somebody give him an amen in this place? Now, some of you are going through a test with a relationship. It could be with your spouse, your kids, your parents, a sibling, an aunt or an uncle, but you're going through a test. You're going through a test with your finances. Perhaps you're going through a test with your health or physically or mentally or even with your faith. But what helps us go forward? What helps us to go forward when we face a test, friends, is when we remember who Jireh is. 
Jehovah Jireh. It's in those moments that, that our confidence in God is what helps us pass the test because the purpose of testing is to strengthen our commitment and our character to God. So let's go on and read in Genesis 22, 3-7. It says this, The next morning Abraham got up early and left his family. No. He saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him. Verse 4. And on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in a distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, where he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Daddy, Father. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire. We have the wood, the boy said. But, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Now, if you like a good drama or you like a good TV show or a movie, you can see that the drama is building up in each verse. And Abraham told no one of what God asked him in verses 1 and 2. He didn't even tell Isaac, of course. You know, how would you like to tell your son, hey, guess what? We're going to go on a hike and I'm going to kill you this afternoon. You know, that's just not going to work or something like that. Isaac was his only son as referenced in verse 2. Now, now a child is precious. Whether you have five, you have four, you have ten, you have three, you have one. But especially when you have one, it's almost like, it's like a miracle child. It's like you weren't even supposed to have it, but by God's grace, you're able to have one. And every time I read this portion of Scripture, like I said, it just, it just sends chills up my spine because, like I said, I have four children and my oldest, my firstborn, Michaela, I've never, I've never gone on a hike or God's asked me to do something that, like what he asked Abraham to do. But what makes this even harder to comprehend is Isaac is the son of the promise. Y'all remember that song? Father Abraham... Admit, you know, we've all done it. You know, and if I kept singing it, you would remember the song too. Because we all sang it in Sunday school. How can you be the, the father Abraham and, and, and all these nations and stuff like that if, you're, if your son is the son of promise and you're going to kill him? God promised Abraham that through Isaac, he would become the father of a great nation. So if you're with me this morning, how could Abraham kill and sacrifice Isaac and still be the father of a great nation? Doesn't make any sense. How can, how can you do that? If he kills his son, it looks like he's going to kill the promise as well at the same time. Talk about killing two birds with one stone. This is not the kind of killing of two birds with one stone that you want to do. Now, you might be thinking, well, wait, wait a minute, Pastor. You know, the promise then is going to be fulfilled through Ishmael. But Isaac was his only begotten son, his unique one of a kind son. Friends, just like Abraham, there's going to come a time in your spiritual journey where we say things like this. Have you ever said this before? I guarantee you, he probably said on the journey. With Isaac, Lord, I need you. As they're walking up towards the mountain, God, you got to do something. Have you ever said that when you've looked at your bills, when you've looked in a relationship, when you've looked at what's happening in our world or, or all those things that are happening that are surrounding us, you know, today and age? You know, have you ever asked God to do something like that in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your trial, in the middle of an impossible situation? Friends, one thing that I've observed is that when things are difficult, when there's a lack in your life, if you want to write this down, this is usually when we ask the hard questions. This is usually when we ask the hard questions. When we're going through a time of lack or things are difficult, we usually ask God the hard questions. I know I have. I know I have. 
I mean, think about it. There is Abraham and his son going up the mountain, and I can only imagine what Isaac was thinking. Maybe it was something along the lines like this. Hey, Daddy, uh, I'm confused. What do you mean, son, you're confused? What's the problem? Well, well, we've done this trip in the past, Daddy, and every time we've gone, we've had a sheep, and there's no sheep. There's no lamb. There's no, there's no ram. There's nothing that we have to sacrifice. And when there's a lack of something, that is when you ask the hard questions. Do you know what I'm talking about this morning? That is when we ask God the hard questions. That's when we ask ourselves about the hard questions or whatever it may be. And, and, and the thing is, there's, there's, when we ask the hard questions and asking questions, I want you to understand, doesn't mean you don't trust God. Doesn't mean you don't trust God. When you ask the hard questions, it doesn't mean that you don't believe in God. It's a natural response when you're going through a difficult situation to ask the hard questions. It's just a natural thing to do. And sometimes God will answer our questions immediately. Has God ever done that for you? And you're like, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And then there's times where, where he might pause. There's times that he might delay an answer to your question. But here's the thing that I understand about God. It's always on his timetable. It's never on ours. And that's the frustrating part that we go through in this journey of life. And you see, he will provide the answer or the source to our question or questions. But I love Abraham's response to his son's hard question. As we read on, it says in Genesis 22, 8 through 10, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Talk about fake it till you make it, <laughs> you know. God will provide Jireh. He is more than enough. He will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Whoa. Talk about father of the year. And at the 11th hour of the test, Abraham lays Isaac on the altar. Let me ask you, has there ever been a time in your life where you had to lay something down? And it was like, God, if, if you don't come through, I don't know how I'm going to make it but I'm going to trust you, but I'm still going to do even if you don't come through. I'm still going to follow through with what you've asked me to do. That's, that's got to be unbelievable. You see, at this point in the game, I could just see, you know, uh, you know Abraham as he's tying up his son in his mind, like the Nacho Libra, take it easy, you know. He's like, what are, you, what are you doing, God? You can't do this. It's cutting it too close. I did my part, God. I got up here. I got him dressed up. I brought him to the mountain. I answered his questions as best as I could. I got him to the altar. Friends, it's so easy to trust God when everything is cool. It's so easy to trust God when everything's going great and dandy and you're going down easy street. The issue is not how God will test you. The issue is how you will respond when it comes your way. Are you going to respond or are you going to react? We all have a choice. And true faith demonstrates confidence in God even when there's a lack in your life. Why? If you want to write this down, because when you know God, I'm talking about you know God. Just like you know your spouse, just like you know your children, just like you know how much money you have in your bank account, just how much you know about how much gas you have or, or when you need to change your oil or whatever it may be. When you know God, you tend to trust more in his provision than your circumstance. You tend to trust God more in his provision than in your circumstance. You see, friends, trusting his God is, 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 is not a static statement. 
Trusting in God is not a static statement. It is an act of obedience. That is what trusting in God is. It's an act of obedience. And this is what Abraham was willing to do. He was willing to obey God to the point of giving up his only son and the promise that God gave him. Wow. That's why you'll never know the stuff you're made up until you're tested. You can talk you can know the word. You can know the Greek, the Hebrew. You can know all that stuff. But I'm telling you, it'll hit the road when your faith is tested in that moment. So here is what God does. He designs a test for every single one of us, not to wipe us out, but to show us how to stand. He teaches us how to, to put some muscle to our faith in those moments of our lives. And God doesn't test us for his information. God doesn't test us for his information. He already knows whether we're going to pass or graduate to the next level of our spiritual maturity. But in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 2, it tells us to get excited when you come against all kinds of tests. How many of you, when you were in school, you got excited about pop quizzes? How many of you got excited about tests and all that? Nobody gets excited about pop quizzes. Nobody gets excited about tests. But yet, in James, he tells us to get excited when you come up against all kinds of tests. Why? Why should we be excited? Because let me tell you something, friends. It gives you a chance to put into practice the things you've learned from the Word of God. It gives you a chance to put into practice about God's character and nature. Church, always remember this, that a product that has never been tested to see if it can do what it claims it can do isn't worth a whole lot. Did you hear what I said? A product that has never been tested to see if it can do what it claims it can do isn't worth a whole lot. And it's the same way with our faith. It's the same way with our faith. So let's continue reading in, in Genesis 22, 11 through 14, as we head down the home stretch. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, ah, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, don't hurt him in any way. For now, I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked and saw a ram caught up by its thorns, horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yara, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use the name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I love that. Let me tell you something, friends. Sometimes God will allow a vision. Sometimes God will even allow a promise that he gave you in a season of your life that it'll look like it's dying. It'll look like it's dying. But let me tell you something. The reason why is because God's going to resurrect something. God is going to resurrect something. He's going to resurrect that vision or that promise from the impossible. There's no doubt that Abraham had a need and he needed Jireh to provide a sacrifice because one was required. One was required. But here's the thing I want you to understand, friends. When God alone is the object of your desire, when God is the, is the object of our reverence, he makes a way where there seems to be no way. Has he ever done that for you? Raise your hand. I know he's done it for me. He's made ways where there seems to be no ways. So how we handle a test is very simple. It's very simple. It's wrapped up in what you believe about God. It's what you believe. It's what I believe about God in those moments of testing. And you see, for Abraham, as he was walking with his son up to that mountain, as he was thinking about this and that, he still had a high reverence for God. He could have turned around. He could have said, I'm done, Lord. This is too close for comfort. Or even when he was drawing his, his, his knife. He could have said, but he reverenced God. He knew God. 
And he had a desire to live for him. Abraham was willing to take the ultimate risk because he was confident in God's power. He was confident in God's promise. He was confident in the provision of who God was. He believed God's power to create life even out of an impossible situation. I love what it says in Hebrews eleven nineteen. Abraham considered that God is able to raise men even from the dead. He was to the point where like, even if I kill my son, God will raise him from the dead. And it goes on and says, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead because he was, he was good as gone. You see, friends, his faith sustained him because he understood who God is. Do you know who God is? If you only know who God is on a Sunday for a 30-minute message or on a Wednesday night for a 45-minute teaching, you do not know who God is. Let me tell you something, friends. You and I have got to know who God is. We've got to develop that relationship. We have to develop that intimacy with him because when, when the, the rubber meets the road and those times in our life where we go through times of testing, when you know who God is, the same God who did what he did for Abraham, the same God who did for the children of Israel at the Red Sea, reminds you in your spirit, God will see me through. Come on, somebody. You're worrying about your finances right now. Come on. Do you know what I'm talking about? You're worrying about your, your clothes, your gas, your bills, your mortgage payment. I get it. I've got to run this church. We've got to run this church. We've got bills to pay. We've got dreams to fulfill. And you're wondering, Lord, how are we going to do this? But I'm reminded, I know who God is. And God will see this church through because it belongs to him. It doesn't belong to me. And as long as we do the natural, God will do the supernatural. And whatever God calls us to sacrifice, whatever Isaacs I have in my life or whatever, whether it's my pride or I'm not trusting in him, no matter what kind of test I got to go through, I'm still reminded he will make a way where there seems to be no way. He's going to fill this church. He's going to expand the kingdom of God. He's going to provide. This church is going to be modernized. I don't know how, I don't know when, but he will make a way where there seems to be no way. And my trust is not in man. My trust is in the Lord God Almighty because he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful to do that. Genesis 22, 15 through 18 says, And the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, Because you have obeyed me. And not withheld even your son, your only son. I swear by your name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond your number. Like the stars in the skies and the sands on the seashore. Just think about that, friends. I can't imagine what he was thinking when he was about to kill his son. And all of a sudden, boom, this happened and this happened. And now he's hearing the promise. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you obeyed me. You obeyed me, Abraham. You were willing to do something that no one else was able to do. But you did it for me because you knew who I was and you trusted me along the way. I can only imagine what Abraham was saying before the day started while he was brewing a fresh cup of coffee before he took Isaac up to the mountain. Uh, he was probably saying, I've got to sacrifice Isaac today. God told me to do this, but also God told me he was going to make me a great nation through Isaac. You see, in the midst of all that he was dealing with, he was reminded of what God told him and the promises that God gave him that gave him the strength to endure. 
The world will say Abraham is in an insurmountable problem, but Abraham says the hope of all this dilemma is in God's hands. You know what sees me through? You know what gives me rest? That I know that my circumstance, that the finances of this church, that the finances of my family, and all these other things, they are all in the hands of God. He's got my world in my hands. He's got your world in his hands, and he will see us through. And that's what I love about God. That's what gives me the confidence in the midst of the, the chaos. He had to be confident that both Isaac and him would be coming back home that night because Abraham knew God was faithful to his word. I think the reason why so many people don't go anywhere with God, here's the reason why. The reason that most people don't go anywhere with God is because most of the time they're trying to figure it out instead of trusting God to see them through. They're trying to figure it out. Be still and know that he's God, but yet you're so, you're, you're just, you're just, you can't even get peace. In the midst of your chaos, people say things like, God, if you let me know how you're going to do this, if you just show me your timetable, then I'll trust you. It's like we're giving God an ultimatum. <laughs> like, if you do this, then I'll do that. No, no, it doesn't work that way. That's not faith. Faith is being confident in God that he's more than enough like we just sang. That should be our prayer in 2022. God gives us the kind of confidence that can't be shaken when the winds of testing come our way. And those winds of testing might be fear. It might be anxiety. It may be the lack of, of something in your life. And they start to blow stronger. But let me tell you something, friends. When you have that kind of confidence in who God is, that's the kind of prayer that he would love to answer. When you say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. I know that this is what you've called me to do. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to be faithful to my giving because you said you'd rebuke the devourer for my sake, and I'm going to be faithful to you, God, in what you've called me to do. I'm not going to hoard or say, well, now I can't do this because this has to go into this fund, or that you just say to yourself in your spirit, God, you will see me through. You'll give me that confidence where I can't be shaken by the winds of testing in my life. Because you see, friends, I want you to understand this. When faced with a test between the blessing and the one who blesses, which one are you going to choose? Think about that this morning. When faced with a test between the blessings and the one who blesses, which one are you going to choose? You see, Abraham could have chose the blessing. He could have chose Isaac and stayed with Isaac and avoided everything God asked him to do and stuff like that. But no, something within that battle between the blessing and the one who blesses, he said to himself, I'm going to choose the one who blesses. Abraham's obedient response arises out of his faith in the character of the God who has, he, he came to know. Abraham knows that through the eyes of faith that Jehovah is a covenant-keeping God. He's a covenant-keeping God, and even if his actions mean the end of the blessing, he was still willing to obey God because he focused more on the one who blesses than the blessings. And the result is that God, that, 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 that Abraham had faith in, completely obeys, reveals himself in Jehovah Jireh. He provides in the place of Isaac a ram for his sacrifice. And a Abraham's actions reveal he loves the one who blesses even if he loses his blessing. That's incredible. Genesis twenty two twelve says, Now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. All of us have our own Isaacs in our life. I have my own Isaacs. You have your own Isaacs. Think about that this morning. And we must learn, as Abraham did, that we cannot hold on to the Isaacs of our lives and still get God as Jehovah Jireh. And as we learn to relinquish our Isaacs through obedience rooted in faith, we will come to desire, we'll come to worship the God who alone is our provider. And in doing so, we will come to know that his name truly is Jehovah Jireh. He's more than enough. 
He's more than enough for you and I. Because Jehovah Jireh reminds us that he is more than enough no matter what we face or no matter what we lack in this thing called life. And I love the passages of Scripture that we read in verses 17 and 18. It reminds us that God's nature is to provide for us because he reveals himself as the Lord who provides. Every head.